Isn't this a beautiful day to be alive? How are we going to use it? For God's glory? Smile? Smile? There you go. There you go. Hey, by the way, they're working on getting you into the prison Tuesday. But there's no way they can work it out for you to leave. Gary, I'm sorry. That's that's it, right? Yeah. Yeah. But that brings up a very, very important prayer matter that I want to share is, uh, before we begin to uh, dig into our text this morning. Uh, there is a weekend event at uh, Lansing Correctional Facilities coming up this weekend, this next Friday. It'll begin. And uh, it, it's uh, a powerful, powerful spiritual journey for these men. There will be 23, 23 in attendance, and they will be immersed in the Word of God. Uh, they'll be challenged to grow. They'll be challenged to give up a lot of things so they can gain the fullness of Christ. And uh, I know Gary Collins will be there uh, playing uh, in the praise band and uh, many others. But be praying for this weekend. Be praying for those men. And Sunday morning, as you gather here for worship, they will be gathering for a, uh, a study and a, an examination of what it means to forgive and be forgiven. And for these guys, that is a huge, huge obstacle in many times. So be praying for them. And throughout the entire weekend, uh, boy, I miss doing the kids. They're upstairs again. Yeah, you guys are okay, but them kids are special. <laughs> and then also another a personal note on the, on the prison ministry. Uh, Connie and I and the kids will be going to Lansing in the morning uh, to, uh, to IHOP. And we are going to greet... Uh, as he uh, steps outside of the prison walls after five years of incarceration, uh, my brother in Christ, Brock Evans. And uh, he's been down about five years, and uh, he'll be setting foot out as a free man tomorrow morning, and we're all meeting for breakfast at IHOP. It, it doesn't get any better than that, folks. Yeah. But as you pray for the weekend, remember the adjustments that uh, Brock uh, we'll be going through, and the challenges that will uh, be for him uh, now as he is, uh, is released. So let's take this up. Oh, whoa, one more, one more. Very, very important. Baby dedications. Baby dedications. We are going to be having uh, uh, on Mother's Day, May the 8th, and I know there's at least one signed up, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, but if uh, is that sheet out there on the visitor's counter? It is there. So uh, if you have a baby or are planning on having one between now and May 8th, never know. Yeah. Uh, but really, this is a big, uh, a very special day. And as you know, and I give you already this introduction to baby dedication, this has a, a, a marginal amount to do with the baby it has a lot to do with the parents and as we dedicate babies as is our tradition uh, it is it is more about a parental dedication a parental commitment to raise their children uh, in a godly christ-centered home 
And, uh, but it is a big day for families. So if you are here and you would like to have a child dedicated, uh, please sign that sheet out there on the visitor's desk in the foyer, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll be doing that on May the 8th, Mother's Day. Now let's have that word of prayer, please. Father, we're excited about what you're doing in our lives and the life of this church, for the lives that are being changed, Father, for uh, the events uh, that we have uh, opportunity to participate in, for the fellowship uh, from uh, women's ministry to men's ministry to, to mission, days of mission trips, and, and Father, helping out local mission organizations, uh, Father, fulfilling the Great Commission. And so uh, we're just thankful and we're excited to be a part of your work here at Grace Community Church. Father, we do want to pray for the, uh, for the residents of Lansing Correctional that will be participating in the, in the big weekend coming up. Father, that their hearts would be open to receive and to listen, to obey whatever your spirit brings to them. And Father, we pray and expect men to be changed, their hearts to be transformed, and souls to be saved. We want to pray for Brock, Father, as he's released tomorrow morning. As he walks out, yes, a free man. But, Father, long before he will walk out of that prison, Brock's already been set free because he's a brother in Christ. He's a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's been free for a long time, but he will get his physical freedom in the morning. So we thank you for that. Be with him and his family as they begin this new journey in life. Lord, we love you. We thank you. There is much to pray about. There is much to surrender to you as we have families mourning, uh, the Shepherd family and the Pankratz family and remembering the Silver family. And Father, there's, uh, there's still healing to be done, but you are a faithful God. So we entrust this to your care, believing that your grace and your mercy will always be sufficient. Open our hearts to your word this morning, Lord. And please do not, do not allow me to get in the way of what you want to accomplish. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we are coming to the end. This is the end of the I Am series, the seventh of the I Am statements that Jesus makes in John's record of the gospel. And so this morning we are looking at I Am the True Vine. And for those of you who like a little humor, the subtitle is, Are You Bearing Good Fruit or Just Being a Fruitcake? So that's for your consideration, whichever title fits, it's okay. But in all seriousness, this is about the true vine, and I will define that a little bit better here in just a moment. But today we're going to examine what it means to be a branch and securely attached to the vine. And this statement made by Jesus Christ identifies himself and defines himself as the Son of God, the only Savior of mankind, and the source of all life. So the key word in our text is going to be abide. Abide. Another word that will often appear is fruit. Okay? So as we enter into that, be aware of those to that emphasis, and let's stand at the reading of God's Word, John chapter 15, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 11. 
I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. What a promise. Father, bless the reading of your word, we pray. And impart these wonderful, profound truths. Etch them upon our hearts, Father. Transform us by the power of these words. Draw us near to you. And if you have to, bend us, shape us, mold us, make us. But Father, when we leave here today, I hope we're looking just a little more like Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. As we look at parables, I, I think uh, it's very important for us to understand this truth. I, many times I hear people trying to apply parables in too many different ways. Uh, well, it means this, and it means this, and it means this. I believe if we look at the consistency of Jesus' teachings, we're going to find that most, all the parables have one main point. Really, one main point. And so we don't want to add legs to this parable to make it stand in places that it shouldn't stand. This is about the vine. Who's the vine? It's about the branches. Who's the branches? It's about the vine dresser. Who's the vine dresser? God the Father. And so we have these principles that this is what the, the parable stands on, and it's about our relationship, our fellowship with Christ. It's about us abiding in him and, and receiving our life-giving nourishment from him. So let's, let's let the parable stand where it's supposed to stand and let's begin our journey. To be a branch in the vine means we are united with Christ and we share his life. If we abide in him, his life flows through us and produces fruit. And if his life is flowing through us as the fruit producer, what kind of fruit will we produce? If a woodchuck could chuck wood. How, no, I'm sorry. I was just thinking that sounded a whole lot like a woodchuck could chuck wood. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? If he abides in me and I abide in him, what kind of fruit? Oh, folks, I am so sorry. I'm, I'm a sick person. <laughs> what?
what kind of fruit will we produce? Good fruit. Good fruit. And you can judge a tree by the fruit that it bears. Oh, there's principles here, but it's all about abiding in Christ. There are three vine examples used in Scripture. There's the past vine, uh, which was the nation Israel. God transplanted Israel into Canaan, the promised land, and he gave the nation every opportunity, but Israel rebelled and disobeyed. And Isaiah 5, 4 says, What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? You see the heart of God in that passage? I, I cared for them. I loved them. I nourished them. I brought them out of Egypt. I brought them out of bondage. I put them in a promised land. I, 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 I cultivated. I cleaned. I, I nourished. And doggone it. They bore wild grapes. God had to discipline and judge Israel. In the parable of the tenants in Matthew 21, even when God sends his own son to the vineyard, Israel, they cast him out and killed him. So there is the future vine. That vine is found in Revelation 14, and it speaks of the vine of the earth. And that is the people of the corrupt world system will be harvested and judged. But we are concerned with today's vine, which is the present vine, which is our focus. It is the Lord Jesus Christ, the true vine, our Savior, and our source of life. And we, as Gentiles, are the ingrafted branches. We are the one place where the wild olive shoot that is grafted into the tree. We are the branches now that are part of the Gentile nation. If you've ever been to, to Jerusalem... Um, in one of our trips, uh, we visit the upper room. And there in the upper room where the disciples would have uh, held their last supper and possibly the same meeting place they would have been on the day of Pentecost. But as they, as they gather for that last supper, there is a bronze statue over on one side of the, the, the room. And it's, an, and it's the, the, the olive tree and all of its branches. And it explains how the Gentile nations have been engrafted. So we are the vine, we are the branches who are now attached to the vine. So let's move through our text. One quick overview, if I do it very rapidly, there's three things we're going to find in this text. The life of Christ, the love of Christ, the joy of Christ. If we get those three things down, we're going we're gonna to lay hold of the text. The life of Christ, the love of Christ, the joy of Christ. Point number one, our relationship with Christ is a loving relationship. It is a loving relationship. This is proven by the vine dressers pruning. Now stay with me on this. If God didn't love us, he would just let us grow wild and be unfruitful or at least bear little fruit. But God loves us. And so he is going to, to nurture us. He's going to care for us. And part of that care is, guess what? Pruning. Pruning. Cleaning. It's part of the nurture and care. A vine produces certain shoots called suckers. Okay? You all know them. Don't call them by name this morning. Just 
but, but they're suckers, and, and, they, and they grow up next to the vine, and they rob the branches of the nutrients that need to get out to the end where the fruit is going to produce. And so the, the vine dresser has to come in, and he has to snip those. He has to cut them away. And then there's always going to be some branches and weeds and stuff that come up in the vineyard. It has to be taken away. But the vine itself, the branches are pruned and nurtured. Folks, it hurts sometimes when God prunes us. It hurts, but he loves us enough to do it. He could abandon us, but he chooses not to. He chooses to nurture and dress us and prune us and and bring more life and more fruit to our lives. If we're allowed to continue to grow, those suckers, those wild branches would, would just rob everything of its nutrients, and we'd end up being just a bush. I can't describe it any different. We'd have a lot of leaves and no fruit. Amen? So, so kind of get the picture there of this illustration. The, the pruning is the removal of any part of the plant, either root, stem, or branch, to discourage growth in one direction and turn the energies of the plant in another direction. Pruning hurts. And sometimes we cannot see the immediate uh, results or the immediate benefit. But the worst thing God could do for us is leave us alone. Leave us alone. Folks, we'll, we'll just self-destruct. We'll self-destruct if God takes his hands off of us. Wiersbe says, your heavenly father is never nearer to you than when he's pruning you. Can you, can you, can you get that picture that, that, that God is the vine dresser, has his hand on you? Has his hand on me. He has to touch me in some way to prune me. Sometimes he cuts away dead wood that might cause trouble. But he often he cuts away living tissue. Listen to this. That is robbing you of spiritual vigor. Pruning does not simply mean spiritual surgery that removes what is bad. It can also mean cutting away the good and the better so that we might enjoy the best. Amen. Yes, pruning hurts, but it also helps. We may not enjoy it, but we need it. How does the Father prune us? Sometimes he simply uses the word of God to convict us. We need folks to lose our faith in the world around us. Gotcha, didn't I? We need to lose our faith in the world around us. We need to lose our faith in ourselves. We need to lose our faith in a corrupt and evil government and quit trusting them to do all the work for us and provide for our every need. We need to grow our faith in a God who cares, a God who loves us, a God who will take care of us, a God who will always do the right thing even if we don't understand it, and a God who will always receive the glory when it's said and done and the good fruit is produced. Amen? So you can go out of here this morning with one thing, if you want to remember it, or my preacher told me to lose my faith. But you all know the difference, right? Okay. So what else can we know about the vine and the branches? Our relationship with Christ is a living relationship. It's not only loving, it's living. Why? Because we serve a living Savior. Amen. I am the vine, you are the branches. Many of the images of Christ and the believer given in Scripture emphasize this important concept of union and communion. 
the body and its members, the bride and the bridegroom, the sheep and the shepherd. If a member of the body is cut off from the, uh, from the body, it will die. The marriage, this illustration, the marriage creates the union, but it takes daily love devotion to maintain the communion. The shepherd brings the sheep into the flock, but the sheep must follow the shepherd in order to have protection and provision. The sooner we as believers discover that we are just branches, the better we will understand why it's important to stay connected to the vine. The better we relate to the Lord, for we know our own weaknesses. We'll confess our own need for his strength. Folks, this isn't a complicated illustration. The vine or main trunk is the part of the plant that is rooted into the ground. It is what draws the water, the nourishment, the life-giving elements out and distributes them to the rest of the plant. A branch cannot live on its own because it has no roots. And it can only do one thing, wither and die. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. These are those who never abided in Christ. They never abided in Christ. A living relationship will be a growing relationship. This abiding relationship is natural to the branch and the vine but it must be cultivated in the Christian life. It is not automatic. It doesn't just happen. We have to surrender to this process. We have to desire this process. We, we should, once you have begun to cultivate this deeper communion with Christ, you will have no desire to return to the shallow life of careless Christianity. Brothers and sisters, we've got a lot of careless Christianity, and I probably an error of even putting those two terms together. But we're, we're in a mess, brothers and sisters. You know, I haven't cut loose for a long time. But we're in a mess. We're in a mess as a nation. We're, and in many ways, the, those organizations out there that are disguised as a church, they're a mess too. I just read an article this week about a United Methodist Church in Canada that held a crossing over party. It was approved by the, by the board or whoever it was that this, uh, approved this, and they gathered for a worship service to celebrate the euthanization of an elderly woman. Come on, guys. That's where we're at. And there are bills right now scattered around out there. One of them is giving an extension to abortion. And it's my understanding it's up to one month after birth. Has anyone read that? We have someone who's read it right back here. Brothers and sisters, we're, we're, we're in a mess. And we've got people in government that are telling you as parents that you have no right to get involved in the education of your children. This thing's a mess, and we better understand the vine and the branches. We better understand who's feeding us. We better understand who's nourishing and feeding our children. Folks, you better be on top of this because it ain't going to get no better. And you say, well, that's the West Coast. That's the East Coast. The governor of the state of Kansas just vetoed a parental rights bill. You know what? You're not smart enough to raise your own kids. You're not smart enough. 
We need the government to do it. Are we ready? Are we ready for the fight? Well, it's in it. It's on us. And we better be diligent in standing up against it. Be involved. Church, be involved. Mothers, dads, be involved. Be at meetings. Be in the classroom. Be wherever you need to be to make sure that your children are being nourished by the right vine because they're going to be nourished by someone or something, some philosophy or some. They're going to be drawing nourishment from one vine or another. Do you hear me? And that vine better be Christ. It better be Christ. A living relationship will be a growing relationship. His life, a branch is good for only one thing, bearing fruit. It may be weak in itself, but it has a living relationship with the vine and can be productive. Number three, our relationship with Christ is a lasting relationship. So what kind of fruit do we produce? We already decided it's good fruit. Number two, it's eternal fruit. It is a fruit that bears witness to the life-giving source of the true vine. It is a fruit that is evidence of our abiding in Christ. It is fruit that glorifies God. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Look, a machine can produce results. Any mechanism can produce results. It takes a living organism to produce fruit. And that's what the Christian is, a living, vibrant, growing, fruit-bearing part of the vine, brothers and sisters. And it's good fruit, it's sweet fruit, it's glorifying fruit to God the Father. Amen. The fruit, the branches, bears the fruit of the Spirit of God. Galatians 5. Let's take a look at the fruit. This is singular. It does not say the fruits of the Spirit are. It says the fruit of the Spirit is Love, the act of acting like God. Joy, the act of being content no matter what happens in your life because you know your destiny. Peace, the state of mind that is calm even in the midst of storms and crisis because you know who your protector is. Patience, the ability to wait on God's direction and answer when things are pressing in. It's also the ability to enjoy the sunshine on a rainy day. Think about that. It's having the knowledge that God is in control and knows what it is the right timing for everything. Kindness, the ability to be nice to others when they are irate, uh, irritate you. The heart that says, I love you in spite of what you did or who you are. The heart that sees the needs of people and emphasizes with them, that empathizes with them rather than criticizes them. The next, goodness, the character of God is rooted in every part of your life and your mind. Goodness is the character of God that directs your decisions and actions. Faithfulness, the decision of an individual to trust God for his or her life and lives lives with his way in their life. Gentleness, the lifestyle that does not point fingers but puts their hands together and prays for others. It is the attitude of being gentle towards the lost because love is rooted in the heart. Self-control, the ability to control the impulses of our self of ego, flesh, sin in the one's life so as to honor, glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the fruit of the Spirit. Branches let the life of the vine flow out into the fruit. Please understand another important principle from agriculture. The seed of the fruit is in the fruit. The seed of the fruit is in the fruit. There's an old saying, I'm sure you've all heard it multiple times, but I love because it just kind of boggles my mind for a minute. We can know how many seeds are in an apple. But only God knows how many apples are in a seed. 
The Spirit produces fruit, and it will go on reproducing from one life to another. There will be fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. Number four, our relationship with Christ is a liberating relationship. A liberating relationship. It's a loving, living, lasting, and liberating. And I, I point out the, the closing verse. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Folks, that's liberating. That's liberating. To abide in Christ is to have the life of fellowship with Christ. This means you, you must be in fellowship with other believers. Spirit-filled, joy-saturated living. If you are at odds with one another, you are out of fellowship with Christ. But we are so attached to one another. Brothers and sisters, all the, all the branches are attached to the same vine. We're, we're in this thing together. And we're bearing fruit together. Does that, does that make sense? I mean, it, it, as I said earlier, and this is, you know, for my benefit, this is a simple illustration. It really is a simple portrait of life in Christ. To abide in Christ is to have a fruitful life. Good fruit, eternal fruit, God-glorifying fruit, loving, living, lasting, liberating, spirit-filled life. To abide in Christ is to have a fulfilling life. If you are not attached to the vine this morning, the appeal is simple. Come to him. Come to the vine you're, you're, a, you're a lone branch and you cannot live outside of the nourishment provided by the vine. Oh, you can continue to live on in this physical life, but you're living a dead life. Because there can be no true life in a branch that is not connected to the true vine. Again, there can never be true life in a branch that is not being fed by the true vine, which means attached and abiding you will never discover, that you'll never experience the joy and the hope and the purpose God has held for you if you fail to make this decision for Jesus. This last comment that he makes, this last promise that he makes, I want to, I want to just expound just a little bit. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. You see, he capitalizes it right there. He said, everything that I've said before this comes down to this. It's about my joy being in you and your joy being my joy. But he was about to face the cross. And he knew it. Jesus knew the ugly experience he would go through the next day. He would be mocked, jeered, buffeted, scourged, insulted, and humiliated. With all that he was about to go through, he might rightfully ask, what joy? But Hebrews 12.2 tells us this. For the joy that was set before him, he endured. And he scorned the shame. His joy, my friends, was the redemption of man. That was his joy, that he in his deity, in his humanity, in that union that could only provide the perfect sacrifice, laid down his life, willingly shed his blood, suffered a criminal's death, 
but dying on a cross as our Redeemer, our Savior, providing atonement for our sins. And he said, I count it all joy because, Shane, you're a free man. And his joy can be in you as you are in him. My joy, Jesus says, that I can look you in the eye and say, your sins are forgiven. What joy! What joy! Enter into the joy of your Lord and abide in Him. We gain the eternal perspective when we receive the joy that comes from seeing the future. The fullness of our joy only comes from His joy in us. The vine and the branches bearing fruit for the kingdom of God and the glory of his son. So simply take a moment as we close this time together. We're just going to take a, a moment of silence to consider our relationship with Christ. First of all, am I connected to him through salvation? Have I been saved by putting my faith in Christ, in Christ alone, his finished work on Calvary, his death, burial, and resurrection. Do I believe that that is sufficient and the only means of salvation by believing what he has done for me? And what about the fruit? Has that relationship grown? Is it being nourished through Bible study and prayer and fellowship, through serving the living Christ? How's the fruit looking? A little fruit? That's okay. You know what you do now? You add one more thing to the prayer. God, I think I'm bearing a little fruit. Will you come cut away everything that's getting in the way of the best? Take it away. Whatever's getting in the way of me being everything you want me to be, cut it away. Prune it. And together and in agreement, we said, Amen. Let's stand as we have our invitation song this morning. If you would like someone to pray with you, uh, Pastor Adam's here, I'm here. I know we've got other elders that will be up front uh, to join with you in prayer. If you'd like to be uh, them, us, one of us at the altar. Uh, but again, I always want to make this clear. We are here to love you, to support you, to encourage you, to bring comfort as we can through the Word of God and the Spirit of God, but we can't fix your problems. But we know who can. We know who can. And we will gladly and with great joy go to the throne of grace with you so that you can find what your heart desires.